Hi, this is Ray Duckler again. We've got a uh, we've got a little bit of a different one here today, where I can say things uh, that might might otherwise get in trouble for. But today, I think I'm going to be able to get away with it. We are interviewing <laughs> a woman named Kristen Vermilia. So good, that's so perfect. That right? I, I don't say it as good as that. Kristen Vermilia, as well as that, yeah. And Kristen is a former Pembroke resident. She went to Bishop Brady and Concord Christian, and she is an actress and a filmmaker. She lives in Switzerland, where she is raising her nine-year-old daughter, and she is back um, for a uh, showing of her latest movie. And this is where I can can just say this without having to worry about anything. It's called Beyond Boobs. Did that I say is, that right? You did. You said and that so right. Now, here. <laughs> as as a good journalist, I'm going to do my research very quickly here and just yes. make sure that it's. It's fair that she named them that? Yes. There they are. There they are. And confirmed. Confirmed. Confirmed that they're (laughs) large, and that is what um, has brought her, at least somewhat, to filmmaking. Tonight, 7 o'clock at the Simon Center Great Room at New England College in Hanukkah, 7 o'clock, Beyond Boobs. Uh, Tell me what the movie's about. So, thank you for having me, Ray Juggler. So, the movie is about boobs, and that's what gets people in the door, right? So, when we were talking about a title, there were lots of different titles on the table, and I insisted that it had boobs or boobs even more than breasts, really. But I needed to have that in the title for several reasons because I think that uh, it's a little misleading, though it is about breasts. It it, um, makes you feel like it's like, oh, it's a movie about boobs, you know? And so it's gonna get you in the door and the kind of people I want to see this movie are the kind of people Mm. who are gonna go, oh yeah, a movie about boobs. So that's partially, it's like a, what is that called? A diversion, no, a misdirect, a misdirect maybe. Um, And so while it is about me and my breasts and my journey, basically taking them on a road trip across America to say goodbye, you know, uh, taking them on a farewell tour. Before breast reduction. Before breast reduction, okay, which right? you had in? Which I had October of 2017. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. And um, so that is that is what it's about, but the bigger issue, because there's always, hopefully in any good film, a bigger issue, which is about identity and objectification and aging and feminism and plastic surgery. Um you know, I, I think that identity is what it's really about, and that whole idea of the question that I had, which is, am I me or am I my breasts? And who will I be if I'm no longer the woman with the biggest breasts in the room? Because that's who I've been for my whole adult life. And so what I realized through the course of the film and through the course of the travels is that I think a lot, it's not that it's in my head, but I certainly make more of it than a lot of other people do. Um, because I think that sometimes if you just get, there's always, you know, if you have one person who, makes a comment, you stick to the negative comment instead of all the good comments, right? Mm-hmm. Like you as a reporter or something, if people are writing in feedback and say, Ray, you're terrible, there's 20 people who don't write who think you're fantastic, right? I mean, yes, I'm sure that's true. Mm-hmm. So I think that what the thing is is that there they were enough people over the years that made comments or negative comments or lecherous comments that I think I really internalized and held on to that. And, and it makes sense too, obviously, right? Making comments on someone else's body is not you know, something we should be doing. Um, and uh, I think I held on to those and made made it really a huge part of my identity because the outside world really looked at me that way too. I mean, I was boobs first, everything else second because they were huge. I mean, they were a G or an H and the rest of me is pretty little, you know? And so they were distracting, absolutely. I'm distracted just from you saying the letters, right? G or H. <laughs> you know? But I, I, mean, think, yeah. I think part of your, I th- I, you're being very honest and your point is maybe that you're making a bigger deal out of this than than society did, but at, at the same time, a big enough deal was made out of them in terms of 
identifying who you were that it is worth talking about because you went through different like an evolutionary process earlier on you were like thought it was fun and cute and cool and then as time went on you kind of changed and said hey you know you have a master's degree I believe right you know you're a college educated woman so there is more to you than just being good-looking so can you talk about how the how the uh, your breast size kind of um, evolved in terms of uh, how it affected you yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't, I was really the girl next door growing up. I was very average. I had, you know, probably a B cup. I mean, I was really, by the time I was in college, I think I was a C cup. But it was very, um, I was cute and sweet and regular, sang in the church choir and didn't drink and smoke and kiss boys. I mean, I was Sandra D. I was completely. I love Sandra D. I know, right? She was like, she was the good girl and that was me. And I liked that role. I really liked being the good girl. It came naturally to me and I embraced it, you know, and um and so then all of a sudden, um, you know, I had this growth spurt. I, I grew an inch and my breast went from like a C to a double D within, I mean, again, I don't know exactly, probably within a few months and that six months. That seems almost impossible. I believe you, but I've never heard of it. Somebody else, it's funny, C I meant to, to document this. D. Someone else wrote about this just recently that it happened to them too. There was some famous person that mentioned it and I thought, oh, I should pay attention and write that down so that, yeah, it can happen, you know, so and it did happen. So you thought you were done, obviously, growing yeah, I thought and it was done. physically right. and, and at 20. And I had a fine little body, you know, my body was fine. It wasn't, you know, any, any great shakes. It was, you know, I had a belly and a broad back and skinny legs and fat arm, you know, whatever. Like, I was... Yeah, <laughs> you look terrible. <laughs> but I mean, like, but I mean, I was terribly average, you know, average height, average weight. And then this happened and it became, I don't think I noticed it consciously right away other than I know I probably subconscious I, I gained weight and I started wearing big clothes I gained a little bit of weight not much but I just started wearing big clothes as a defense because I felt like I was being looked at differently and I, but I didn't know what that was I was not able to put into words like oh I have the larger breasts and men are looking at me differently and I'm being objectified now it took me a long time to figure that out and it also took me a long time to figure out where I remember saying, I want to be that 15-year-old confident girl again. How did, where did she go? Because most people, when they're teenagers, are not confident. They're trying to figure themselves out, and then they get their legs and figure out who they are in their 20s or 30s or whatever. Um, and so in your I, case, you were a confident little yeah, teenager, yeah, yeah. and then you didn't get your legs, but yeah. you got your boobs. Yeah. That was funny. That was really funny. And well done. then you lost Confidence because right. you felt like people were judging you or looking at you only for your yeah. breasts instead of for who you were. Which and I didn't realize that that's what it was until I went to graduate school and I started reading all these feminist texts and I started reading about artists and per performance artists and conceptual artists, which is kind of the stuff I've been doing my whole life and didn't know it was art. Right. right? I've been making weird little videos and writing weird little things my whole life. And I went to Goddard, which was the most amazing, ama shout out to Goddard College, the most amazing this experience of my master's? life. My mm -hmm. master's degree, which was in uh, interdisciplinary arts, master's in fine arts and interdisciplinary arts. Goddard in Vermont. Goddard in Vermont, which is the best, best thing. I still, you know, I owe so much money for the, my student loans. Really? Um, but it was worth and will be worth because I will probably be paying it till the day I die. Um, it, uh, it was life changing. Um, and it was the best thing I've ever done other than having my kid. And um, so I, when I was there, I, I had this epiphany. All of a sudden, I'm reading this stuff and thinking about it, and I went, I know where that little girl went. The boobs came and she went away. Like it's it was so elementary. It was so it was so made so much sense, but I'd never made the connection before. And that helped a lot. And that was part of the I'd already wanted to make the film before about the breast reduction and about breasts and and it was never it wasn't going to be about me. It was going to be about And this is 20 this is 20 this, this is, is a long time ago. Well, 20 no. uh, How old were you when you went to grad for your No, masters? no, no. Just fast 6 years. I graduated in 2000 
12, oh, okay. 11. So you were yeah, yeah I was. I was a late bloomer in every right. way. Yeah, so Ooh, this just one. happened. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, and so when I, I remember thinking, this is crazy, you know, that this is, that I'm figuring this out now, you know, and... Um, it is a little late, I got to tell you. totally. But uh, let me interrupt you there. Yeah, yeah. When you were younger, you had started to wear baggy clothes because you started to feel a little self-conscious. Right. But then I know the stories about going out and partying or hanging out with the cool group, and you, you started to accept it more or have fun with it or play with it more, didn't you? I think I had certain people in my life that were accepting and encouraging. And again, I don't. None of these were like conscious decisions. I didn't say, "Okay, I'm going to start showing my boobs because maybe <laughs> I'll get free drinks." You know, I look back and I think there was an evolution, but it wasn't a conscious evolution. And um, but I do remember there were times in Portsmouth, and anybody who knows me from Portsmouth in the '90s will say, "Oh yeah, there were definitely times when Kristen, the girls were out on display." And um, you the know, girls. the girls, uh-huh. yeah, the yeah, girls. Um, they have lots of different names, but um, blessing and curse is like the latest with the movie kind of thing. But right. you know, and I remember specifically getting out of a speeding ticket, and I had people in the car, and I remember thinking, "This is horrible that I just did that." And then I remember somebody in the car saying, "Well, it's his damn fault because he fell for it, right?" But I just remember thinking, "Do people really do this? Like, people really do this?" And I felt really—I didn't feel empowered. I felt guilty and dirty. I felt wrong. I mean, it felt, you know, it was a funny, it's a funny anecdote, right? And it's not something I've ever done son. It's something that one would joke about. But the fact that that's a real thing is horrifying, right? But people do it all the time. Um, I did it. And I'm not saying that it's always, I don't know, I mean, to use what your mama gave you, right? That's, I mean, we use what we have. We use our brains, right? We use, I mean, you can argue. There's so many arguments about this to say, like, okay, well, I'm going to, what if I can make money as a leg model because I have good legs and there's I'm going to pay for my college? There's, there's Do you know what I mean? nothing wrong with that. Right. So then you have this, it's an interesting uh, dichotomy or conflict there. You have, I don't think it's, there's anything wrong with making a career by using your looks, but at the same time, you have the issue with the Me Too movement now right. of, the, of the objectification. So you have to kind of weigh both those things. Right. And you've been very honest talking to me about saying it is a conflict for you. Well, I think a lot of other women might have said, no, no, I completely am comfortable. It's empowering. Um, I, I have no problem building my career that way. But you, you, don't, you haven't just said that. Uh, yeah out completely, I don't think. No, I think that I'm conflicted by lots of it. I think that I'm, I'm absolutely a feminist. I'm absolutely in support of the Me Too stuff. I'm absolutely in support of the fact that we need to empower women and let women tell their stories. I'm also hugely in support of men and about men's stories and about the, com- the point that we need to have conversations together and that this is not a manhunt, so to speak, not that kind of manhunt, um, but that it's not, um, you know, when everything becomes very black and white and it's like, you know, the okay, now women are, in tr- you know, I Somebody said the other day, some guy, I don't even know who it was, was like, well, now I can't do anything. You know, you women, and ever since you got the vote, and somebody said that, and I was like, are, ever are you got kidding? The vote. Ever since you got the vote. But it's like, and now you women want jobs. I mean, literally, I was like, I was talking to Archie Bunker. I don't remember like. who it was. I re- honestly don't. Um, it's not that I'm not going to name, name names. But, um, and so, but I do think, and we talked about this briefly the other day, and we could go on for hours about this, is that we also, you know, socialize and bring up men in such a way, boys in such a way, that this is, we're all in this together, right? The reason that women are having a problem and are objectified and raped and murdered and, you know, second-class citizens and treated all this way is because we don't let 
boys, you know, express their emotions and we put a lot of pressure on them to be the breadwinner and to be the man of the household. And there's, there's a million things like that, right? So because we don't work, because there's the pressure of men to be that way and the pressure of women to be this way, and then don't get me started on internet porn. And then what happens is the the women, at, the reason we need the Me Too movement is because of how we treat all everybody, you know, and that there needs to be a big change with that. And so I think that there's a lot of people I know that say, we as women, we as feminists should not be our jobs not to educate men, right? And I, I disagree with that. Um, I think that, first of all, if I say to you, you're not my problem, I don't want to talk about you and your problems. I'm talking about women and empowering women. You're going to be like, screw you, I'm going to go have some coffee because I'm not having a dialogue with you. Right. So just bringing, a, you know, like any conflict resolution, right? We're going to come to the table and I'm going to go, you're not the problem, Ray. I've never heard you say anything sexist or awful. You've never been inappropriate with me. You've never looked at me, you know, you've never done anything inappropriate. But maybe you being a man of a certain age who's American, who's white, who's whatever, you might say something that because of where you're from, because of being socialized a certain way, that might not be helpful. Or we might realize now that that's not necessarily helpful. And I might say to you, hey, you know, when you say uh, take your skirt off to your buddy, you know, meaning like toughen up, right? That's not helpful. <laughs> that, and I haven't heard Bray say that for the record. But if, if somebody says something like that, I might be able to say to you, that's not helpful, can I tell you why? Because it basically is saying that women are, you know. And you, being the person I know, would say, oh, I didn't realize that. And so that's my point. These are the conversations I think are hugely important. And that's my side of like Me Too is kind of focusing on that. It sounds like, I don't know if women or women who, who might listen to this might get upset about that, but you're cutting men a lot. Of, it sounds like you're yeah. cutting men a lot of slack. I am, I am. And you want to open a dialogue with them, and, 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 and the other side is it's not up to us to educate them about not acting like Neanderthals. Right. And you're saying uh, we should talk about it. Right. And, uh, help the, uh, the socialization process, maybe uh, probably from an early age with right. children, but when you express this point, do are there women who, who get mad at you? Yeah, there are, and and a lot of them, most of them are um, more educated and can, can uh, grasp, like they can say, you know, this book said this, or this writer said this, or this. Well, you're very, you, know. you have a master's I, degree. It's true, but I'm terrible at recall. Like, I can't say who said this and who, I know how I feel based on, and, and what I believe based on what I've read, who I've spoken to, but I'm not very good at debating things. I wouldn't be good at debating a fabulous woman who feels slightly differently than I do about this here because I would just go, I don't know, you have a good point, you're right too, I'm so confused, I'm gonna go get a drink. You know, so I think I feel this way because I do really feel strongly about the point that, how we socialize men. But I do, but that's not to take away from the fact that, um, you know, every single woman I know, every single woman you know, has had an instance where she was harassed, right. where she was spoken to inappropriately. And that whole idea that um, one of the things that the Me Too movement has brought out, I think, and you and I spoke about this too, is that most men, lovely, kind husbands, fathers, good men, um, would say, I had no idea. Um, I had no, I had idea. no idea that like we were all afraid to walk alone, walk down the street at night. Even in Concord, you hear you hear footsteps, you turn around. Oh, like it's it's, yeah. And that's how we're socialized, right? right? We're socialized right. to be fearful first. And that's not... That's that is part of our reality. Just like being black in this world in New Hampshire, and you know, is is a completely we can't we can't identify with that at all. You know, and the fact that you know, if if I went to go get an apartment and someone who was you know African American or a minority and on the other another way here went to go get the same apartment, I would automatically assume that I'm going to get it because I don't know why wouldn't I get it? But they're going to automatically assume maybe not, right? right? And that right. they you know it 
that that whole concept of privilege is another conversation in all of this, right? And so as um, you know, as Americans, we have a huge amount of privilege. As white people, we have a huge amount of privilege. Women, less so, obviously. Um, but I'm just interested in learning more about this. I guess for me, it's like I want to hear everybody's point of view. I want to learn about it. Um, I want to have conversations. And my the reason I make I made this film and I continue to make art is because I like to just stir the soup. I like to make people think. I want to make people feel a little uncomfortable. I don't want to be like Sasha Baron Cohen uncomfortable. I'm not Barat doing Barat stuff, Which right? Which was a funny movie. Which was a funny sorry, movie. And also, I mean, hilarious. no, but there's a lot Go of ahead. stuff that he does that's yeah. – I mean, I'm going to be a little racy right now. So one of the things that he did, which I like, <laughs> I like to when, when I bring up certain things about uh, how humor can be interesting and also very politically um, incorrect. Yeah, politically incorrect, maybe, but also just kind of ruffling one's feathers. So he did one. I think in, I don't know if it was in his Ali G show or what, but he basically went to um, a pro-life rally in the South, I think, and I may have the details slightly wrong. But he went as, um, I don't know if he was going as himself or not, but he wasn't a huge, huge character. But he went up to these women. I think he was Ali G, so he had that Cockney accent. And he went up to the women and he said, like, um, right, so, you know, have you had an abortion? And they said, no, no, my God. And they're holding this sign that says, you know, something religious. Right. And he said, well, you ha- so you haven't had one? No. Well, how do you know you wouldn't like it? <laughs> That's so, of so course, him. It's so him. And it's, it's so funny. Like, your reaction is to laugh and you think, that's horrible. Like no, no. I mean, there's women who are pro uh, pro choice are not pro abortion. Nobody's pro abortion. Well, right? that's the question of semantics. And that's the question of semantics. But but so, so so what he said was you know and he said so and then he kept going, which was funny. And he said like me for example, I'd never had a Whopper, and I went to I went to Burger King and I had a Whopper. I didn't know I you know I didn't know I was not going to like it, and I got it, and it was amazing. So I mean like he's comparing abortions <laughs> to trying a Whopper right, at Burger uh, King. Right, sure. um, but the point is is like. Those kind of we need those kind of people in our world to stir things up. He's and ruffling get, feathers in his way, and you are doing yeah, it in your way, in a much different way. I'm doing it, and I like in my good girl way. Do you right. know what I mean? It's still that kind of like I'm. I'm never going to be. I don't. I don't really feel comfortable with that kind of humor. I think we need it. I think we need people who are doing extreme stuff so we can end up a little. What bit What you're over here. doing uh, is is you know the dialogue today. What you're doing is a, it's not really extreme, but it's definitely different from from what you constantly hear about. Um, I, I think like. Uh, looking at somebody or a remark is being categorized or lumped into the same category as these horrible crimes. Right. And I think that's so that maybe that's part of what you're talking about. I yeah. think there are differences. But um, uh, had the part you, you brought up that was interesting was uh, how naive men are or were. When, when this whole Me Too thing came up and just when the, when the conversation turns that way, I was surprised that it was so prevalent. I asked my sister about it, and she was like, you know, duh. She was a professional woman and an executive, and she was sexually harassed, like, constantly. Yeah. Back in the 80s, Right. it was like, yeah, you laugh it off. You don't want to be portrayed as uh, someone who's uptight and can't take a joke. But, I mean, it was, you know, it's made her feel really uncomfortable. Right. And it was much harder then. And the women who put up with that, I mean, you can say, you know, there's there's something to be said, of course, for when, when people say an argument could be, okay, one should stand up for themselves, right? One should say, um, don't talk to me that way, this and that. The reality is mm-hmm. I could lose my job and I have to feed my children and I have to take care of my parents. So, I mean, it's very easy, again, with privilege to look at somebody else's situation and say she should have left her husband. Hillary Clinton should have left Bill when he was, you know, it's very easy to say these things. It's and I do feel very I think it's very, a little it is, and I think it's very that. important not to say what you would do in someone else's shoes because right. you don't know. But I do think that the 
one of the things that's great about the Me Too movement, and you mentioned this a little bit too, is like I've had so many men say to me who are lovely, great, awesome men who want to learn that have said like, I can't, you know, I don't want to be alone in an elevator with a woman. I don't want to go to the, um, you know, I can't hug somebody on her birthday. I can't. No. Wanna, and and the thing is, is that I think that that's way overreacting personally. I think that you know you can still be in an elevator alone with me. I mean, the people who were problematic before are still going to be problematic, men and women, right? Because there are women who are problematic. This is not all about men. Um, and so I think that, you know, if I had a relationship in the office and we were the people who we were people who hugged, we would still be hugging. You were never giving me a hug because you wanted to feel my boobs against your chest, probably. But if we had a relationship for 20 years and we were really good friends and that was our joke right. and we were already like that and it was never, you were never... You know what I mean? Like, that oh, would still absolutely. be fine. That yeah. would still be fine. Also because I was aware of it, you were aware of it, and we're both adults and it's okay with us. Right. Um, what's not okay is, you know, staring for too long, making comments about, and it's also just sexist comments too, or like expecting the woman to go get the coffee. I mean, like, all, you know, all of these things. Um, but I do think that the Me Too movement has made just men like you, you, you do question it. So you might think before you open your mouth and say something, but I don't want men to have to censor every single thing that they well, say. Well, you gotta strike a balance. I definitely am more, um, I mean, it has, not that I was harassing anybody at work, but I, I definitely will keep things more in, in check about yeah. what I say and how I look because uh, it's wrong mm -hmm. to do it and you're nervous yeah. um, as well. You should be at least to a point because mm -hmm. uh, you want to definitely start to learn about looking at the woman as a as an intellectual with a soul right. and a spirit right, and right. all these wonderful things. It's respect. It's respect based. Respect is a good word. It's respect. respect you know, I just word. got an email from someone who read the article that you wrote um, the other day. Someone I was in a play with years ago, and he was. It was so lovely. He just said, "Hey," and I read the article, and it was great. And um, and he said, "I just wanted to mention that years ago we were in this play together, and you were saying something about." what a pain your boobs are. I don't know what, we were having a conversation, something about boobs. And he said, I told you to like shut up about it or I told you like it wasn't that big of a deal or you were making, whatever it was. He basically, so he wrote me in a little apology note and he said, I never had any idea of what a big deal this was for you and all these other women and right. now with it. And it was like, I wrote to him and I said, you didn't, I mean, I don't even remember and I don't, but he you does. Know, he does. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, like, that's what this movie is about, too. I've had so many, and after the TED Talk, I've had so many men especially come up to me and say, this man came up to me after my TED Talk, and he said to me, you know, I have a wife that I love very much, and she has very large breasts and a very beautiful body. And he said, I tell her all the time, but I mostly kind of focus on her boobs. And he said, I tell her all the time. And he said, I should ask her if, if that bothers her. He said, maybe she doesn't like that. I mean, she knows I love all of her. He's assuming that, that that's a complete 100% compliment. That's right. And she would love and it. And just the, she, just the nice. conversation, maybe she's fine with it. But for the fact that he's going to go home and say to her, right. honey, does that bother you? Right. Like, I'm like, my job here is done. Right. If one person can have Mission that conversation. Right. right. Yeah. You talked about your TED Talk. Um, you also, I mean, you, you've been an actress. You were on an NBC show with a recurring role, Third Watch. Mm -hmm. um, and you did a TED Talk from Switzerland. Yes, Did it you was do it in from Zurich. Your home? Yep, in no, Zurich? in Zurich. Yep, yep. From Zurich in a mm -hmm. studio. Type yes, of yeah, thing. yeah, in the TV studio. So that was yep. a TED Talk uh, five years ago. Yeah, 2014, I guess. Gosh, talk, it was already. Talk about how that went, and you know what you spoke about there, because I saw it. It was, it was really interesting. It was the issue uh, right. with humor. Right. And I guess, as my mother's very funny, my mother says, you know, you were talking about these things before the Me Too movement. And I was like, well, there were lots of other women who were, I mean, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't realize that at the time, but you know how mothers are. Um, but course, I think basically it was, uh, you know, I had a, I, I ran into a guy at a Google Christmas party and he and I were talking and he said, 
you are, you're, you know, you speak really well and this is interesting and I looked you up on the internet and whatever. He said, you should do a TED Talk. I'm involved with the people who are doing the TEDx in Zurich. And I said, what am I going to do a TED Talk about? And so he said, I'll let you think about that. I already know what the answer is, the guy said to me. And so like a week later, he wrote to me and he said, did you figure it out yet? And I said, no. And he said, Kristen, what do you make art about? What do you write about? What do you talk about all the time? And I, and he waited and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> And finally, know. I still didn't know. Like, I didn't, I didn't get it. And he's like, breast. And I'm like, oh, shit, you're right, you know? Oh, and so, um, so then writing it was the hardest thing. It was like writing a thesis. Like, writing this go from, you know, starting with a blank page. I, I can do anything I want, say I mean, anything you, you I made want. It, you made it look easy, which is, mean, means it well, was good. But I could imagine the stress. I mean, I, I wrote, it, I wrote it at Concord Library. I was here. Oh, really? And I was visiting my mom. And I remember sitting at the Concord Public Library and spent hours there trying to just really get it nuanced. Because, you know, it needs to be a certain length and you know I like writing and um but then also the, the hardest part so writing it wasn't the hardest part it was hard and I think it easily could be better I think back there's a, you know it's like what is your point Kristen I think sometimes it's it's you know you always look back and say I could have done better but the performance um or the the talk itself I'd never been myself on stage ever before as an actress, yeah, or just as Kristen, I've been I've been a character on right, stage, right? Right, right? So I've never been Kristen on stage before, and I've never performed really as I mean in that way. So getting what was up, the name of it? It's okay to look. Okay. And so getting up there and with and having to memorize it after you've worked so hard to write something the exact words you want and to memorize it, but still wanting it to be. You a have to feel make it conversational. Oh my goodness, it was the hardest thing I've ever done, mm. and the anxiety that I felt before getting up on that stage. I'm not one who really gets stage fright. I was, I just wanted to go. I mean, I was so, I was very close to throwing up. It was the most, plus this, it was a live audience of 500 people. It was being live streamed. And I thought, I'm going to screw up and then the whole world's going to see this and I'm going to be the example of what can happen, you right. know? Right. And right. of course, I watch it and I go, oh, I stumbled there. I, oh, I said the same word there. Oh, I can feel my face getting red here because I can't feel what's going on. Um, but thank you. And it was very empowering. Um, and there was, you know, good feedback. I think that there were, um, I'm very glad I did it. Um and it really started me on this, um, the journey to kind of talk more and more about these things. And it was, it was there's a little bit in the film about the TED Talk. Um, and it, it is specifically, I say, I basically come out and say, you know, look at me, here's my boobs, and now let's talk about something else. And that's what it is. Because again, there are men, there are a lot of men who will say, I can't even look at a woman anymore. And that's not what it is, right? I mean, I look at women's breasts. I look at guys' butts. I, look, I mean, I, we're, we're people who look at things. We are biological creatures who, who and visual people visual creatures who look at things and that's fine and we can look at people and look at things you just don't stare you know and you don't hold it too long it's like you know you think about it um it it makes perfect sense right you're not going to do it to your grandmother you're not going to do it to some young kid i mean you just think about yes when they're that big i get that they were distracting i absolutely know that and if someone said to me I'm sorry I'm looking at your breasts, but they're very distracting, and I feel really disra dis disrespectful doing that or really lecherous doing that. I would love You'd if someone had said that. The, I would the, the so respect the honesty. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As opposed to someone who's trying not to look, trying not to look, trying not to look, <laughs> trying not to look. Um, and you do go like, hello, I'm up here. <laughs> right. You know? That would bother you. Yeah. And well, rightfully but, so. But you know what? But at the same time, I always had a sense of humor about it. Yes. Always, because, yes. again, I didn't want to be confrontational, and I was never going to go, how dare you look at my breasts like that. Right. My reaction was doing the TED Talk and doing this film, right? I'm not confrontational. I'm not going to make you feel uncomfortable in that instance, which maybe now I would maybe speak up a little bit more. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that that's my reaction is to make art. 
you had surgery in October of uh, 2017. Right. Um, and you had a breast reduction. They're a lot smaller. They're still pretty They're big. They're still big. They're, They're still, still big. They're double D. I love my surgeon, but um, and she did a great job. And I asked for a big C, small D, like a big C. And they are double. And when I went to go, I had no idea what size they were afterwards. And actually, I remember the first time the bandages came off, they looked so small. Um, Maybe because they, and they I remember small they looked tiny because of compared. To I think so compared to before, and also the compassion, the compression. And oh, I remember wow. calling my neighbor crying and going, "They're so small! They're too small! They're too small!" I freaked out for a day, and she was like, "It's okay. They're not. I'm sure they're gonna, you know, whatever." And she's like, "And this is what you wanted." And I'm sure they're not an A. I was like, "I think they're an A." They're, just for the record, they're not small. They're not small. They're not. And so, I mean, I think that you know they're swollen for a while, and then they are up high. Uh, like for the first year they were like you know I had like 15 year old girl boobs which was awesome and then they kind of settled because literally I'm like not and wearing they, a bra they, I'm running around going this is amazing and they settle like and then a they house. settle down like a house exactly they settle like a house and they're still you know for a woman my age uh, they're still you know pretty perky and fantastic um, and so she did, did some a, sort of the surgeon did a good job she did awesome right? I mean she did, did this she did like this interior bra thing and whatever she did they are bigger than I wanted but I think what happens she said is that you you're lying down and you're all out and then they sit you up. You can imagine it. I always feel like it's like breakfast um, weekend at Bernie's, right? And you've got right. like this yes. thing, right? And they're looking to see if it's symmetrical as she's cutting and stuff, to see like where they hang. And then they throw you back down again. And then they sit you back up again after they cut a little more. Really? So, We've yeah. And so that. there's no measuring, you know? They kind of, and they know the size and the whatever. So when I went to go try on bras for the first time after this, the woman said, well, what size can I get for you? Because in Switzerland, everything's very fancy, you know, and they get the bras for you. And um, and so I said, um, a C. And she looked at me and she goes, that's not a C. And I was like, it's not not? And she said, no, it's not. And I said, okay, a D. And then I tried on the D and I was like, they don't fit. The, and D, I, the, D, the D was too small. The D was too small. And one of the reasons I wanted, a, one of the side effects of getting the reduction was I was really excited to be able to buy a bra off the rack instead of asking and saying, can you go to the old lady section in the basement and pull out the beige and white and sometimes black bras? Um, and so, which, you know, now they're certainly prettier and nicer, you know, there are people out there who've started making prettier bras for bigger sizes. Right. But um, so yeah. now I still, you know, I try things on and I'm still going, I still can't wear that tiny little pretty bra that I wanted. And I still am not as small looking. I was really looking forward to looking small. But you know what? I think if they were much smaller, I wouldn't feel like myself. You know, I mean, I asked for, I don't know. I still am, I'm still envious of small-breasted women. Well, I mean, you asked for like a C plus, which yeah. is, you know, yeah. that's a which nice is still, size yeah. breast, I mean, right? I think it, it, that suits, handful, my, suits my body. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Let me, let me, uh, um, what the heck was but I But we're gonna still add? happy. Are you distracted? No, I am. <laughs> You're doing such a good job at staying on point. <laughs> Talk about the physical problems now yeah. that you had when you yeah. were a, a G or an H. Right, Because well, it was serious. It was it's serious. I had a constant headache. For years and I don't think I realized it until you know maybe one day it wasn't as bad and it's like oh this is this is my reality is this constant constant pressure like a neck going up into the back of your head all the time all the constantly constantly and though and so when I had herniated discs in my neck and I had um, you know upper back problems because that's where the weight is and then also lower back problems and just you know 
just sore all the time. I was in physiotherapy since the time I had my daughter, um, once or twice a week for my back, for my neck. When I was here in Concord, I was going to a chiropractor, physiotherapy, massage therapy. I did, I had this TENS unit, which I think you called shock therapy in your article. I did. Which, I... which was nice because some of my friends were like, you had shock therapy? <laughs> so um, I didn't call you about that, but it was not shock therapy to my brain, which I could use. It was just this uh, TENS unit, which is like electricity that goes to try and exhaust your muscles. But anyway, the physical pain was... But I'm tough, right? So I come from a long line of like New England women and, you know, so I don't complain about things very much. And um, so I just kind of dealt with it. This was my reality, right? And I remember thinking, oh, a breast reduction would be helpful. And I started researching that. But I also knew getting my back stronger was important and whatever. Um, And I went to one surgeon, I mean, one rheumatologist, I guess, in Switzerland when we were trying to get insurance to cover it. Um, And she said, no. Uh, I don't think a breast reduction would really help that much. Your back is really weak and you have other issues in your back. And I remember thinking, really, you can't just sign off on this and say that, it. W- of course it's going to help. It's going to take, you know, three pounds off my chest, right? So, I mean, that might not be my only problem, but it, I remember being very disappointed, especially a woman wouldn't try and be more empathetic towards a woman. But, um, yeah, so it was, there was a lot of pain. And now it's definitely better. Um, I'm trying to work on strengthening my back and my and my neck, but you know, they, there's there's like ads that pop up in Facebook or ads that are I don't know wherever. But there's I always I had this dream, I had this fantasy, and then I saw it on Facebook like someone had read my mind, which they probably heard me have a conversation and yeah. Probably. But this whole thing of like traction, pulling your neck out of your your head out of your neck, like that just is like a the most it's it's almost erotic like the whole like just pulling that my head out of my neck and yeah. giving that lengthening is just it immediately takes the head a headache away and it's still like this amazing feeling so I had this idea of making like a mask like a luchador mask kind of right and then um, attaching it somehow to a pulley system that went over a door or in the ceiling and I could pull the other side and lift myself up and make myself taller and I literally was like it was like a the most lovely. Sounds liberating. Doesn't it sound liberating? So, um, so if anybody wants to make me one of those, it could be a great Halloween costume. It could be. So, a great so Halloween you, um, the headaches are, are yeah, gone. Yeah, now I get normal people headaches. You know, like hangovers and you right. know. But the the, head, the headaches caused by being exactly. so big are gone. gone what about yeah. your neck and back? Neck and back still hurt, um, but it's it's slightly different, and it's more just because of years and years and years of you know being in a certain position and having the weight hanging off the front and so I just need to really work on getting I mean I'm not terribly my back is not strong anyway and I've always had issues so I think it's just going to take a while to reverse the you know physiology of the leaning forward my whole life you, you leaned forward your I don't whole know life. that I leaned forward but I mean I, my ne- my chin was definitely on but me did my you have to, so if you didn't lean forward your whole life you had to consciously stay back then right I did and I had good work. posture I definitely had good posture which I'm sure made them stick out even oh more. that's yeah you know no, that's, sure that could be a good but thing but the other visually. thing is like if anybody wanted to I mean whenever I saw a good friend I would my favorite thing was sitting in a chair and having someone come behind me with their knee in my back and pulling my shoulders backwards and you can picture, I mean, you're doing yeah, it now. Yeah. It feels good in any way. It does feel It feels feel good. really, really oh, good because we all were on computers. We're all, you know, hunched over. And so it's, um, I mean, that still feels good. But but I'm better and I'm getting better. And I think it was a fantastic thing that I did. Um, I'm really glad about it. And, you know, who knows, maybe after I'm on the other side of menopause, I'll get another reduction and I'll go down to a B or something and I'll become totally invisible and do another movie. You won't be invisible because you're very pretty. <laughs> And you're very intelligent, and it's so great. To, it's very liberating for me to be able to say that, 
and not get uh, yelled at or a dirty look. So thank you. You, in your TED Talk, and I don't know if it's what's going on with the movie tonight, but you did something with a with a sock and rice or something yeah. to show a man how, how much they weighed and how yeah. burdened, burdensome yeah. they were. What, I did this, did so do? I had this performance art piece that I created in grad school, and I did it at this festival in Toronto, too, and I called it um, The Weight of Breasts, which was the original name of this documentary also, and basically, um, I was inspired by, there's a German artist called Valley Export, and she was this artist who I learned about in graduate school who had walked around Berlin, I think in the 70s, and she was topless, and she put like a little theater, like a box around her <laughs> breasts with a curtain, like a theater curtain, Very and funny. it was called Touch and Taste Kino, the theater, and so she allowed people to open the curtain and see what was inside and so she was kind of like disrupting things as a performance artist to talk about you know women being topless and these are just breasts and whatever and so that sort of inspired me that's um, brilliant it by is the brilliant way. it's and brilliant it's funny and it's, it makes a point absolutely who is this woman her name is valley export and she's german I, I think she's still alive she spells her name with all capitals and there's so many i mean there are men too but there's so many women doing amazing like conceptual and performance art that i had never known anything about that i just was so inspired by so i had this idea basically to um and this is in the film also i and i'm not an exhibitionist and i'm not someone who as an actress i like being on stage and on film but as again i'm not dying to walk around naked or be provocative in that way. Like, you're I'm basically not, covered up fairly I am, well. I am. I have a little bit of a view here, yes. but you know, you're very respectful. Thank you. Ahead, yeah, but like yeah. Marina Abramovich, I don't know if you know who that is, right? Yes, so she, you know, she's done tons of stuff where she's nude and she does tons of stuff that's really, really provocative. And that's not me. I would like to be provocative in a little more distant way to from myself, I think. I don't know. But I mean, I'm inspired by her, but I'm not. So anyway, so I'm in this, in this, piece of you did, art. You did it in the TED Talk. I did it, well, I did, so I did Didn't this you? in the movie, but but so in the movie, I put my breasts on a table. The movie tonight? Yeah, the movie tonight, okay. yeah. So I put my breasts on a table and with a frame around them, and you cannot see my naked breasts, okay, on a desk. So like you, you and I are sitting we're, we're, opposite I'm each going other. to that tonight, yes, so no, you're <laughs> telling me I'm going to see the, the, your yeah, naked breasts Yeah, yeah, tonight. you, yeah, you will. Okay, Everyone so who mean, goes tonight will see naked right, boobs. so I'm going to get there. <laughs> I'm going to leave in a few minutes to get a seat. Go ahead. So I put a frame around them, and they're sitting on the desk. So gravity is hitting them, right? So, I mean, everyone, when you picture breasts and pretty breasts, you think of them in a bra or smaller naked perky ones or young ones or whatever and looking all beautiful. Well, anybody, gravity is a bitch for everyone, right? So if you put a lump of flesh on a table, right. it's gonna, it's not so pretty anymore. And that's one of the things I wanted to do is to kind of show that everybody who says, oh my God, your boobs are so huge and beautiful and fantastic. And I'm like, oh yeah, like let's look at them right now. So I put them on the table, put a frame around them, covered myself, the rest of it. So when you come in and you look at me across the table, you don't see me, you just see a pair of dismembered breasts on a table in a frame. And it is disturbing. And that was my point is that to see breasts not attached to a body, they're a part of a person, but to see them dismembered like that and not pornified, right? Pornified, is that a word? I just made it up, but I probably didn't make it up. I know what it means. Um, yeah, so I think that, and people were uncomfortable, and they were allowed to feel the weight of the breast. So I had an assistant, I made it very clinical, so I had an assistant in a lab coat, um, and I made up this thing called the breastionnaire, right? Like a questionnaire, but a breastionnaire, right? So and I'm totally silent back there, and I remember thinking, I'm putting myself out there literally physically and inviting strangers to touch my breasts, but it was so, it was such art to me. It was such it was such an experiment to me that I had no problem. It did not feel like I wasn't like, oh, you know, God, people are touching my boobs. I was in such a Zen moment, and I felt like this is the way artists do things. Like this is, I'm. It was so interesting, and it was I was doing it for the you know for the project, and so uh, the person with the clipboard and the 
lab coat was standing there and they would one person at a time would come in to the room and see these breasts on the table and the lab coat person would say um, the artist would like to know how much you think the is breasts this the, weigh the bre breast breastionnaire this is the breastionnaire but the, the the assistant with the lab coat is asking you like you're the guy to right. come in and see okay it okay. says the, the artist would like to know how much you think the breasts weigh just by looking at them and you would say anywhere, people would say anywhere from like one ounce to 35 pounds. Kilo, I mean, like people have no idea, right? That's, that's a quite the range. But quite the range. Mm -hmm. And then the, the, the assistant would say, the artist invites you to feel the weight of the breasts. And so because you coming in have no idea what this is about, some people go, you want me to touch them? You want, and I used to audio record it because it was amazing. And some people would just sit there and you could hear their breathing. Some people were so respectful and felt like you could feel that some people were looking at themselves some people some guys were like oh shit this is what I've always wanted and here I am and I don't want my hands are sweaty and and other people kind of just tap them some people pulled them like they well, were I would think you know, maybe to lift to yeah see how that's what most people did yeah, but yeah. some people just did one it was fascinating and other people said oh no thank you um, and so that was such an interesting you know experiment and then what would happen is the person the, the experiencing the performance would go into another room where there was the thing you brought up which is the pantyhose filled with rice and beans oh. which weigh the same amount as my breasts and they would go into this other room with their breast genere and they would <laughs> feel the weight of the breasts and they would get their picture taken on a wall with a polaroid or whatever um and we you know i have a collection of all of those and they would fill out the rest of the breast genere which was questions about how they felt about body altering and plastic surgery, a word cloud about how they felt. Did they feel dirty? Did they feel raunchy? Did they feel provocative? Did they feel uncomfortable? Whatever. They could say something else. Um, and um, their gender and age and I think something else. And it was fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. And so the, in the TED Talk, I brought that pantyhose and rice thing um, and put it around someone so, so you can really feel. Uh, uh, you asked if anybody wanted to... Yeah. Feel the weight of the breast. Yeah, and everyone was like, yeah, yeah, me. <laughs> and then they were disappointed because you meant because the potatoes was... and the beans and the exactly. rice. Exactly. But I would think in something like that, that would be, that would give really hammer home, I would think, more of a kind of societal way to look at it as opposed to a sexual. That, I would, I'm thinking, I don't know how I'd react if I was touching them, but I'm thinking in that kind of environment, that kind of form, it would be making you think about emotional and physical uh, consequences as opposed to you know, let's go. Let's go out for dinner. Yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I think it, I think it brought up lots of different things for lots of people, and I think that it was um, my kind of provocative, right? It was mm -hmm. really like you know, it wasn't anything super crazy. Um, I loved the fact that I was kind of dismembered. I loved the fact that people could feel the what way, like literally feel this. So you're saying when I see the, I, I, let me be the judge of how yeah. they look when yeah, they're yeah, on yeah. the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay? absolutely, absolutely. And, okay, go ahead. Let's <laughs> and I mean, I may do, it, I may do here. it again. I don't know. I mean, I may do it. I mean, I can't do it the same way I did it before because they're not as big. But, but I think also I had this fantasy of having a whole art art exhibit so that it was first the first spot was. The performance, then you go over and you get your picture taken with the with the breasts, with the prosthetic breasts is what I called them, with the pantyhose and rice. And then I wanted to have like a whole group of people like in a gallery in a space walking around with them on. And that became <laughs> its own sort of performance and look, right? Because people would feel that and go, oh my God, that's so heavy. Now granted, it's if you're a scientist, I'm sure you're telling me, Kristen, that's not exactly the same because the weight hasn't been displaced by water and you know all this stuff. Sure. I am not a scientist. This no. is, a, you know, and I, I weighed my boobs as well as I could. This is a segment that didn't end up in the film, but I shot a lot of footage before, a couple years before, and I went to Oktoberfest and got kicked out of Oktoberfest because my breasts were sticking out too much, apparently. 
Um, and there's all this there, crazy. There's a limit to how far you can go in Oktoberfest? Apparently. I mean, it may have had something to do with the fact that I had a camera in my cleavage also and that we were shooting, but we had permission to shoot, so it was really. Is that in the movie tonight? No, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah, I shot that before on my own before I had producers and things, and that was and that was kind of like to make the trailer and to get the funding and stuff. Right. And that was kind of oh, one of my I ideas. see. But I think that whole idea of um, yeah, what's appropriate, but but putting the the prosthetics on people. Um, and walk around. Really, and, and walking around. And you feeling have decades of feeling. Yeah, and I also, so I, I weighed them on, yes. um, you know, on a baby scale, on a standing, <laughs> I weighed them with one of my favorite shots is of, I stepped on a scale, saw how much I weighed, and then I asked my best friend's husband next door, who I love to, to hold them. The best friend's say, husband got yes, to do this. Yes, he did. It was very funny. And her kids, uh, she are looking sure. on. Oh, boy. And it's great. And um, that didn't end up in the film either, but it's hilarious. But but the idea is to that, hold to them like, up so right. that, that it's way. It's not so scientific, they, again. But, but it's you're trying to figure out how much they weigh. How much they weigh, right. And so then I had this scientist kid who said to me, was camera, who was shooting for me one day, he said, Kristen, you have to displace water in this. And I'm like, ugh, oh, sounds like a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I was going to go to the grocery store and put them on a fruit scale. You know, like all these things. Because they're also, visually, that's very funny, too. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. But I wanted to be able to know about how much they You were. might have gotten kicked out of the, the store at I that point. I think so, too. I don't know. Yeah. I would have immediately bought some, right. <laughs> some <laughs> melons, fruit. Melons, some apples. Me- melons some are good. Yes, cantaloupes. yes, yes. So what is the weight? What was the weight? The weight was seven pounds for both together, which is three. See, now I've forgotten. Three and a half kilos? For, do, for yes, both of them combined, it comes out. Yeah, well, uh, we go, I go with yeah. pounds. Right. Seven pounds yeah, for over the two there, of them. Yeah, seven pounds for the two. Three and a half pounds each, which is a lot. Um, and I, they took I, out. So I've got, I need my pantyhose, yeah. rice, and beans to I actually feel it. You should have. Wait, could I can make one this afternoon. Maybe I can uh, check that out and come back on my next podcast. Yeah, and talk about yeah. It. I'm going to write that on my hand. This is where I put things that I, I need noticed to do today. That. Salad. I have to make salad for tonight for dinner. I'm going to my friend's house, and I have to get my fingernails fixed because the woman screwed them up. You're going to this after the movie? No, I'm going to have dinner at my friend's house before the before. movie in Hanneker, my best friend from Bishop Brady. She li- ha- just happens to live in, in Still, Hanneker? that's where she lived. Oh, cool. and we used okay. to go to NEC. We used to go to parties there sometimes when we were in high school. She used to go with college boys at NEC. Get out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I went and just watched all uh, the crazy drinking we, you and were big. You were big by then, right? No, 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 not in high school. That was the, oh, this is high school. This you is went. high school. Oh, no, don't naughty girl. I know, I know. So, I didn't do anything, of course, because I was a good girl. Yeah, you told me about your nickname in high school, right. which you learned later. But I, whatever. <laughs> I can um, say that, but should I say it? No, I don't think so. Either. You guys will just have to guess. Okay, you'll have to guess. You'll have to guess. Wrapping it up, just talk about. So tonight at seven. Yes. At the Simon Center, great room at any at New England College in Hanukkah. Right. If you had to just wrap it up and, and talk about um, something that you really want people to know about, what, what point you're trying to hammer home tonight? What, what, what are we going to be seeing? Well, I think I just want, again, I want to stir up the soup. I want people to watch it. I want people to be to feel what they're feeling. I want people to talk to each other about it and to say, oh, have I ever said that to you? Gee, I don't like that. Or I think she's wrong about this. Or this was, I want, I want people to call me out on stuff too. I'm super interested in getting questions when people say, you know, this part didn't really resonate because of this, or were you really honest about that? I, I want to have discussions. It's all about having open, honest discussions and making it so that we all can let our freak flag fly and that we can, there's no questioning the idea of what normal is. So, like, let's all just be who we are and discuss all this stuff. So if I can be open and discuss all this and make a huge fool of myself, maybe someone out there will feel like, oh, that's how I feel too, and they'll feel a little bit better in finding their voice and sharing their story too. 
And then before the last word, I just wanted to say also that I'm trying to come back here in the fall to America to do another college tour, and I'm starting to set up some dates. And so if people are involved with colleges or universities or schools or organizations that might be interested in screening the film, um, you can contact me. Wow. And um, you can go to kristenvermilia.com or my um or you can spell your last name V E R M I L Y E A. Um, Kristen K R I S T E N. Yes, thank you for so doing that. So it would that. be your full your name. Yep. Dot com, and okay. I it has my um, email on there. You can also send me a message on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. You can which is my name also Instagram same thing, um, and yeah. So we're trying to you know hopefully it'll be coming to America um, on you know some sort of a platform also. It's uh, showing in all sorts of other places in the world right now, which is really cool. And the people in Japan are apparently loving it because they love boobs. So who doesn't? I'm big no, in this, Japan. This, this ke- what's, you're big in Japan. Yes, I just keep bringing joke. up more, yeah, more questions because it's interesting. So it is, it is getting a lot of play mm. in a lot of countries. Yeah. Where is, it, where has it, or slash, is it getting? So shown? you know, at first it showed in Switzerland because they were part of the funders of it. So it showed in Swiss television. Um, it's going to be showing in Arte, which is like the PBS of Europe, kind of. So it's the big art channel, which is in Germany and in Italy. It has shown in Austria, in Denmark, in Israel, um, in, I know there's some other country right there in Western Europe it's shown in, maybe Spain. And then it's been in Australia. It's still showing in Australia. It did some great press in Australia, some amazing great PR and magazine article writers. And I got to write pieces, like opinion pieces and essays. Um, they asked me to do them, which was really interesting because I haven't written much after making the film, right? So I did a lot of writing during the film and before. And um, and now it's in Japan. And um, that's really, um, I did a lot of press for that too. And they are, uh, they made an awesome trailer. And I've gotten lots of, I know when it's hitting people because people will like write to me on Facebook or I get all these messages or something. And sometimes inappropriate, absolutely. I'll get messages from guys who are like, you're pretty, you want to go out? Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then there are people who also say like, you know, men, a lot of times it's men um, being very respectful and saying, gee, I didn't realize this and blah, blah, blah. And P.S. Do you want to go out at the end? Oh. Um, Can't they just keep it <laughs> respectful and with a point in yes, life and just I leave know, the dating I thing? Know. And by the way, like, do you want to have dinner later? No, <laughs> I <can't. laughs> Okay, I think, I think we're done here tonight at 7. That was good. It was so um, good. It was so good. Thank and you for joining me. Thank you for having me this in your great. awesome, awesome podcast room. It's cute, right? It's super cute. Um, all right, I think we're done. Thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to next time. This is Ray Duckler's podcast. Signing off.